Hey guys, you are listening to Killer Cocktails, where the drinks are stiff, but the bodies are stiffer. This is a casual true crime podcast where two friends pretend to be bartenders and talk about gruesome murders. Each week, we feature a new cocktail, which has to tie into our stories. Although we are a casual comedy podcast, some of our subject material can be explicit. Listeners, be advised. Hey guys, it's Drea. And Jackie. And we're back with another week of Killer Cocktails. Mm -hmm. Jackie, by the sound of this cocktail, what do you think I'm drinking? Are you pretending like I don't know what drink we're doing this week? Yeah. (laughs) I had to make this drink. I know. (laughs) When you said it wasn't going to be funny, it was. (laughs) I was trying to do the whole like Michelle and Jeff thing with the when they're like, how deep is it right here in the raft? And then he puts the pole down and then he puts his ear to it and flicks it. And he's like, well, about eight feet. Yeah. So sounds like a sex on the beach. Yeah. Wow. You have a career in cocktails. I do. I do. (laughs) Um, What do you think of this cocktail? Oh, my God. So on first sip. I am. I was transported to another time. Mm-hmm. It took me like back, the 1920s. No, it took <laughs> me to being 21. Yeah, and I rem- I was like, oh, my, I don't think I've had one since I was. That was our drink. This was like I can. My girlfriends and I have ordered these a thousand times, out dancing and having fun in the city. Ooh wee. Yeah. I. I. Yeah. That drink. I've seen that one in reverse. Oh. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> gross i i don't think i ever ordered this ever i don't think so uh no no i don't i don't think i've ever consumed this and i will never again it's not here's the deal you're making it sound like a bad drink it is not a bad drink this is there's a reason for my sophisticated palate (laughs) there's a (laughs) jesus it's a trash (laughs) (laughs) it's not a trash it's one of it's tasty and that's there's a lot of juices and mm. sugar. Like, this is what people drink in their... Do you want to know what's in it? <laughs> Please. Okay. <laughs> okay, Jackie. Well, you made it. You know it. But I'll tell you guys at home what's in it. We got vodka, which that's totally fine. Yeah. It's, it's acceptable. Acceptable. <laughs> you, you've seemed fine this entire time. And we hit record and you're immediately drunk. This is funny. I do it for the fans. Okay, so we got we got your vodka, plain and simple. I think what really throws me off is this peach schnapps. Uh-huh. Um, it's I don't know that I think that's where you get the tropical kind of taste for sure, and then the twenty one taste. Yeah. Um, you got your you could do orange juice or pineapple juice, and then you have cranberry juice, and then you have shambhara as an optional component. What? <laughs> Shambhara. Oh. <laughs> That was, I, yeah, I didn't see that. that. Was less I definitely didn't though. do that in mine. Ah, Did you guys do that? In a cocktail umbrella. Oh. Yeah. Well, we can't just be running out to stores and getting cocktail umbrellas. Yeah. It's not essential. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fun. Um, not my favorite. Not my favorite, but I have, I have good memories of that drink. Yeah. I'm not going to bag on anybody who likes it because I get why you like it. I just can't remember what cocktails I was ordering at 21. Like Kamikazes? Like, no. Like test tube shots? No. Ugh, I had a lot of jello shots for sure. You I think still I would... have jello shots. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so that is about, like, 
one out of ten, what would you rate this cocktail? A six point eight. Mm-hmm. Are you thinking for you or for in, or you're being nice to everybody? Oh, I'm rating it for the world. No, no, rate it for yourself. Same. Ah, same. Yeah. I am the world. Oh my god. <laughs> so humble. <laughs> I meant it that way yeah, but yeah, sure yeah. we'll roll with it sure yeah um, i just mean we're all we're all the world Everyone, yeah you know what I mean? yeah we are part of the population yeah yeah i count my opinion is i'm taking same. a survey you say 6.8 yeah i'm gonna say 5.2 okay um I, yeah i the the taste factor brings it up a little bit mm. it's like tampico punch with booze in it mm. Ooh. right we should do a punch one rum Jungle punch. Ch- have we done rum punch Jungle juice. <laughs> can raise like a water out. You know what you can do? But we haven't done rum runners. You I said can, that to you the other day. We should do rum runners. You know what you could do? Yeah. You can go to our website and use the search function. I went and I didn't see anything. at Like when I opened, there was no search function. Yeah. I would have had to search for a search bar. Is that what you're telling me? Yeah. <laughs> do you want to hear a story? No. <laughs> Is there a history to this drink? Yeah. Oh. Oh, you wanted to tell me a story. I thought you were just going to tell me an off-topic story. No, I was just <laughs> joking. Um, okay, let me tell you about this cocktail history. So apparently at one time, there was an actual website, and you could go and you could tippity-tap in the Google search and do sexonthebeach.com. And, um, but it's no longer an actual website. The domain name is actually for sale right now. So if you have like a business you're starting to think of, you can buy the d- domain name. I get that it's different. Yeah. In my opinion, buying a domain name is like buying a star. I don't understand who you're paying. Uh-huh. There's not Mr. Joe Internet who owns all the... I, I, it's like buying stars to me. When you like buy a star and you get a certificate, and it's like, you own this star, and its name is whatever. No, who's selling stars? GoDaddy. GoDaddy owns every single made-up like, no, anything you no. can think of. They are essentially like... Um, what are those They bought anything tic- they think somebody like, would like want? Like Ticketmaster people like going on and like buying the tickets and they scalp the tickets. Like GoDaddy bought... I don't know where it was from. From who and for how much? Who's selling websites? It's like it's like buying a star. Do you, do you get my my connection there? Yeah. Who owns stars to be selling stars? I'm now also confused. I'm not sure where they come from. I mean, obviously, this is a, a business practice. People buy websites. It's 100% a thing. Maybe. Oh, I just don't. I'm not buying into it. I just looked it up. So the <laughs> store. <laughs> no typing. <laughs> I watched your fingers. <laughs> uh, the stork brings it to you. there's storks all over the world and when you want a domain name they like go and pluck it from the tree of the of the domains oh my god okay i'm gonna gonna let it go okay but understand i don't understand yeah okay it's like airplanes no there's there's science there yeah okay we can move along (laughs) we don't need to hear me being confused by the internet so there's (laughs) so there's this domain name no one owns it right now okay um but when it was up and running the website kind of had like this lore that the sex on the beach cocktail was invented by a bartender from um, confetti's bar in Panama city, Florida. And the bartender name was Ted and, and he claimed drink. <laughs> and he claimed that he named it sex on the beach because sex and beach were the two reasons uh, spring breakers would come to Florida for sure. So he's like, I got him. People order that drink. I'm name alone. 50% of the time. Yeah. Yeah. Like a screaming orgasm or a yeah. buttery nipple or mm-hmm. yeah um we haven't done buttery nipples as an episode how many of those have you had in your like going out and partying days <laughs> you're just all eyebrows 
This is a podcast. Your eyebrows don't translate to the mic. You Can you describe to the folks at home what my eyebrows are doing? They're just going up and down. <laughs> It'd be crazy if they were doing anything else. Like If you could make your eyebrows do a wave. Uh, I can, I can kind of do the rock thing, but I can't like. <laughs> How's that? <laughs> this is a weird episode. <laughs> okay. Um, I got a lot of sun. Yeah. Okay. So, but like with every cocktail, there's like a a different origin story for every oh, for cocktail. Sure. Um, so another origin story for this cocktail is in 1982, um, in a copy of the American Bartender School Book. There's a recipe for Sex on the Beach, oh, and it well, pre- that's in print. It predates Ted's story by five years. So Ted, sit down. Yeah, Ted, sit down. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and the theory from looking at the book is that the cocktail was probably invented when a bartender combined uh, a fuzzy navel with a Cape Cotter. So. Oh. Ba-dum-bum. Okay. Um, and then Kimberly thought it would be fun because we are doing Sex on the Beach because this is our 69th episode. That's right. ba ba da ba bam That's our tie. <laughs> 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 it is. Um, so I'm going to tell you some sex facts. Oh, okay. Okay. Sex fact. Upper uh, Paleolithic art dating back 30,000 years depicts people using dildos to pleasure themselves and others. Oh, and others. Okay. And th- <laughs> and that means mankind invented sex toys long before the wheel. Really? Uh-huh. That's kind of fascinating. Isn't that crazy? It makes it makes sense supply and demand. I mean, you demand. I don't know. I see more of a demand for that than the wheel at some point. Anywho, sex fact. Okay, intercourse has also been called afternoon delight, dancing the mattress. Oh no. Um, rumbastacketing. 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 Rum. No, let me see it. What are you trying to say? Oh, she'll have to text it to you. Oh. Rumbustic acting. Rumbustic. Rum. Hold on. I'm waiting for it to come through. Rumbustic acting. Bust. Have you sent this to me, Kimri? Rumbust. Rumbustic acting. I can't wait to see what this word actually is. Rumbustic acting. Rumbust. Rumbust. Rumbusticating? Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's what I said. I've never heard that word before. <laughs> Rumbusticating. Hey. Maybe I've heard wait, it. Wait, ready? Hey, Jackie, do you want to go rumbusticating too? <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> what if, but what if we rumbusticating? Rumbusticating. Rumbasticating? Let's do it. Think of it this way. <laughs> Think of it this way. Mr. Bombastic. Very fantastic. Mr. Rum- Rumbastic. Yeah. Rumbasticating. Okay. They're stooping. St- yep, stooping. Uh, spearing the bearded clam. Kimberly! Oh, Kimberly! Rowdy! Yeah. That's rowdy! Our mothers listen to this. Oh, that's row row. Oh. All right. <laughs> no, I mean, it's it, people say it. Uh, okay, the horizontal refreshment. I've heard the horizontal polka. Uh, and testing the mattress. I think it's funny that hooking up means different things to different people. Oh, yeah. The- hooking up can be going the whole way or it can be like kissing someone. Mm-hmm. And Always I- hard when someone's telling a story and you're like, I don't know what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> eh? uh? mm-hmm. Okay. Sex fact. 
men who help with housework also tend to have more sex. I see the correlation. I do, too. (laughs) If you're a lady, you know. Um, Okay. Sex fact. According to Pornhub, the kinkiest states are Wyoming, Alaska, Vermont, West Virginia, and Oregon. I'm surprised by the Oregon getting thrown in. When you were like, as you're listing them, I'm going... States that don't have a high population, and a lot of them are men, oh. <laughs> is how a lot of like yeah. how that list started off. Um, oh, Maybe Oregon fits that. Guess who is the least kinky out of all the states? Wait, wait, wait. Massachusetts, California. I almost said California. I tried to pick like a high, high population that had like a puritanical background. Yeah. Um, and those are your sex facts. Those were good sex facts. Yeah. <sighs> Okay, I'm done. <laughs> that is um, that is your cocktail hour. Awesome. I'm finished. I finished. Good. I'm glad for you. Do you want to hear a story? Yeah. All right. Cool. This is a story I think you've heard. Oh, okay. This is a very, very, very famous case, and it, there's a lot of controversy. You can't get I'm, mad at me if I don't know the name. No. I'll be surprised, but I'll be acceptably surprised i'm gonna tell you about amanda knox okay i know that name i first sounds like she's faking <laughs> no, no, no 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 i know the name but i'm not gonna pretend like i know all the details okay my sources are all over the place because a lot of this is from memory um there's a netflix doc you should watch there's a, a podcast uh, wrongful convic- uh, wrong- wrongful convictions that she's uh, been interviewed on twice. There's that movie with Hayden P- Panettiere, Pan- Panettiere, with that girl that has blonde hair and she's short. Oh yeah, her. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? No. Oh, <laughs> that's like that's a good description of her. Um, okay, so here we go. Do you have okay? You've you're aware of it. She Do you, she was in Europe. That okay. whole thing with yep. her roommate, yep. and then the guy. There was like a boyfriend involved. Uh-huh. Yeah, and then they're like, "Well, did she do it? Did she not do it? What do you where? Oh, where did no, she land? Did I, she do it? Did she not do it? Is I she don't in know jail? Enough detail. You don't know all that. Okay. I don't. I think this is. How do I describe it? Those really big cases. I don't pay attention to. Pay attention to because they're so blown up, and I'm like, meh. So Amanda grew up in Seattle, Washington, uh-huh. a little Pacific Northwest gal. She's the oldest of four girls. Oof. Can you imagine having four sisters? I have one sister, so I know what that relationship is like. Yeah. And I can't imagine having multiples of that. What? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, I have a brother and I have a sister. So, yeah. like, this is the relationship you have with a brother and this is the relationship you have with a sister. So, the idea of that a couple times mm-hmm. is going to be different because they're different personalities. So, it just kind of, it's a mind trip to me yeah. to imagine having that many sisters. Huh. I didn't grow up with anyone, so. Yeah. So also bizarre to you. <laughs> okay, so uh, her mom's a math teacher. Okay. And her dad is like finances for Macy's. Cool. But they divorce when she's pretty young. I think after like the last kid is born. So when she refers, like she has a dad, but then she refers to her stepdad. Like she grew up with her stepdad. Yeah, that's, her, her, that's her dad. So she had family in Germany. And they all like as a family, I think, went on a trip to Rome when she was in middle school, maybe? Um, she, no, she was like 15, so like high school. So she grew up in this sense that like there's a world outside of the United States, there's a world outside of Seattle, mm-hmm. um, very aware of that people live lives in other countries and other ways. So when she went off to college, she went to UW, 
and she was University of Washington. Oh, thank go, you. Go Huskies. <laughs> and uh, she studied linguistics. So she was mm. really into other languages and really into other cultures. So she graduates in 05. Uh, high school in 05, excuse me. She graduates in 05, then she goes into college. So then when she's in college, she's like, I'm going to scrimp and save. I'm going to get a part-time job, and I'm going to go do a year in Italy. Oh, wow. And, like, she's studying other – so I can't remember what languages she's f- relatively fluent in, but it's, like, multiple languages. Oh, wow. And so when she decides to go to Italy, she's not that strong an Italian speaker. She can – she's getting by. Mm-hmm. But so she decides on uh, the universe. So she goes to Perugia. And so it's kind of a little town, and it's really essentially known for being a little town that has two universities, and it's mostly students. So the two, you've got the, they're super Italian sounding names. You've got one university that is for fluent Italian speakers that a lot of Italians go to. And then you've got another one that's essentially like the university for foreigners. Like, you don't speak Italian well enough to go to this Italian university. Gotcha. So she goes to the one where you don't speak Italian well enough. Yeah. So... She and her sister go on this. Um, so they're known for that. And they're also known for having really overzealous prosecutors. Um, oh. For this little town. Okay. So they haven't had a murder in probably 20 years. And there's this kind of high profile where the prosecutors in Perugia uh, charge a former prime minister of murder. Okay. And it's this whole big thing where eventually it gets up to like the Supreme Court, like their version of the Supreme Court, where their quote, what did they say? Um, the justice system has gone mad. Whoa. This guy didn't do anything. Yeah. Acquitted. Yeah. Like whatever, whatever the phrasing of it is. No. Is there corruption within the prosecution or they're no, just like they're hungry? they're kind of on a high horse. Okay. So then there's this other case where, and there's this one guy specifically who's kind of obsessed with the occult and satanic mm. rituals. Oh. And he he starts saying that other prosecutors for the Perugia police force are involved in this. Like, like keeps taking it where there's never any proof at all. Like, it finally, after like a decade, uh, but I think like 2013, they're like, nope, there, there's no founding to this. Yeah. Stop. Yeah. Stop it. Okay, so that's this town. So, uh, all right, so that takes us. Now, Now, Amanda gets out there. She's scouting the town around. She's, I think, on a, like, scouting trip with her sister. And they come across, um, like, one of those, like, tearaways. Like, hey, there's an apartment for rent. And, like, oh. pull this number. Uh-huh. So she pulls the number and she calls. And it's a ground floor apartment that has four bedrooms and then, like, shared common space. So two of the rooms are already rented. And I think... The whole thing is in one of their names, but they are Italian and they're Italian speakers and they're a little bit older. They're in their like late 20s and they're studying to be lawyers. So those two rooms are taken and then there's two other rooms. So then Amanda's like, okay, I'll take one of them. So they don't know who the fourth roommate is. So then Amanda goes back. She's back in the US, gets a bunch of stuff. Now she moves to Italy and when she moves in, there's another roommate. Mm. So the new that that roommate is Meredith uh Kircher. And so you've got the two Italian roommates, Amanda from Seattle, and Meredith is uh, British. Meredith speaks uh, good enough Italian that she's going to the Italian university. Oh, la, la. So she's going to a different university than Amanda is, but they're all students of some capacity. Mm-hmm. Okay, so they're there. Now Amanda gets a job, like a part-time job at a bar. The name is Le Chic of the bar, and the guy's name is Dia Patrick Lumumba. 
but everyone like she calls him Patrick so mm-hmm. that, that she never says Dia when she's like referring to him um, but then she starts telling people like, and this is later, she's only there for about a month or so. And she's telling people like, oh, Patrick's not paying me. Like, I'm probably going to quit. So like the, the, at least the people in the house, what they know of her job is she works for this guy named Patrick, but he's not really paying her. And that's kind of the deal there. And she also doesn't hang out in the house much for the, like, while they're all there and being students, Amanda likes to be out in Italy talking to Italians. Mm-hmm. So she's not like buddy buddy up best frenzy with her roommates but she does hang out with meredith like there's plenty of stories of them again there's a short window of time but in this month they definitely go and do things together Mm -hmm. Um, but they're just not like thick as thieves so they're on the ground floor apartment below them is a basement apartment and there's these italian dudes who are renting the basement apartment below them so they're all kind of ish the same age and they kind of start hanging out and Amanda and Meredith meet them. They go out. It's like mid-October at this point. Um, they're coming back late one night with the Italian dudes. So they're hanging out with these Italian dudes. They're all going out, they're partying. They're coming back to the house. So the Italian guys are going to go down to the basement. They're going to go back up. And they run into this guy, Rudy. And Rudy knows the Italian guys. And so they're like, oh, like, and it's late. And they're like, hey, let's all go back. Let's all hang out in the basement. Like, it'll be so fun hanging out in our apartment. So they're like, okay. So Amanda and Meredith joined them with this guy, Rudy, down in this basement. And they hang out, and then it gets to a certain point, and then Amanda and Meredith are like, all right, we're going back upstairs. So then they're like, we're going to bed. So they go up, and that was... And then, like, a couple other times they've run into the Italian guys hanging out with Rudy. Like, they've had a couple brushes with Rudy, but not... Before this. Before what's going to happen. Oh, okay. Um, but in, in its whole... Like, of their relationship knowing Rudy, just, like, a couple brief... Like, acquaintance. You wouldn't mm-hmm. say that they're friends. Yeah. So then um, Amanda and Meredith go out to, so kind of around the same time, Meredith, they all like end up going dancing. She starts dating one of the Italian dudes that lives in the basement below them. Around the same time, Amanda meets this guy, uh, Raphael, and she kind of starts dating him. And all of this is like maybe a week, maybe two weeks. I think Amanda and Raphael is really only a week so, but she's like with him all the time. And it's essentially like the way she describes it now. She's like, it's like puppy love. It's like mm. high school relationship, but in college. Like yeah. we don't speak each other's languages really. Yeah. And we're just like holding hands and like he's taking me places. And like, it's just kind of nice. And I'm just like getting to know this town with this native Italian. Yeah. And he's also not from Perugia, but he's Italian. So like he understands the culture, but it's also a new place for him. So they're hanging out. She's essentially over at his house all the time, and he lives like a five-minute walk. He's super close. Meredith's dating the dude downstairs. So, like, all of their lives kind of, they start hitting this, like, you know, uh, pattern of, like, what their normal is now. So, Amanda's over at Raphael's house, and then she's going to go back home. She's going to go home to shower, and then they'll probably, like, sink back up later in the day. So, it's morning time. She walks down. She gets to the house. And when she gets to the house... The front door is wide open, mm. which is really off-putting to her because the door is always locked. Because if the door's not locked, it won't stay shut. Mm-hmm. So if someone's inside, the door is shut and locked. And if someone's gone, it's shut and locked. There's yeah. no reason for that door to be open. Yeah. So she's kind of like, oh, this is weird. So she goes in. The door is like closes it and locks it. So it stays closed behind her. And then, she, but she's got like, she doesn't think too much of it. She's like, it's weird. It raised a flag, but I'm also not uncomfortable. Yeah. So then she goes in. She goes to her room. She gets her stuff. She goes into the shower. When she gets into the bathroom, she sees a little bit of blood in the sink. Mm -hmm. 
And again, she's kind of like, it, it was weird. It raised a little flag, but it also wasn't a ton of blood. And it looked like she's like, if someone hadn't flossed in a while and they flossed, like, yeah. it's a little bit of blood and it's in the sink. Like, yeah. It didn't seem that strange. So then she takes her shower. She's getting out of the shower. And when she's stepping out, she steps onto the bath mat. And that's when she sees that there's like a decent amount of blood on the bath mat. Oh. So now she's like. Like it was underneath it when she like stepped onto it? No, like she it. wasn't paying attention, attention when she got in. And okay. then she's getting out and she's looking where she's stepping. Gotcha. She's like, oh, there's blood here. Yeah. So now she's like, the door's open. There's blood in this bathroom. But again, it's not a ton of blood. And it's four girls that all live in this house. So she's kind of like, uh. So then she gets dressed then she needs to dry her hair so and i think the i think there's two bathrooms and the hair dryers in the other bathroom that like the italian girls use mm-hmm. so she goes into that bathroom and when she goes in there there's a fucking dookie in the toilet okay and she's like every girl that lives in this house is a neat freak yeah nobody left this deuce sitting in this toilet so now she's like all of these things combined she goes i all of a sudden felt like someone was in the house she goes something about seeing that poop in the toilet yeah made me feel unsafe and like someone's here huh so she goes huh, and she like panics and leaves and gets to Raphael's house yeah so then she's like so i'm talking to Raphael and i'm like trying to tell him in italian why i feel weird and i'm trying and she goes i feel silly being like well there was a little bit of blood and the door was open and there's a poop in the toilet <laughs> yeah like, she doesn't really know and so Raphael's like why don't you call your roommates and she's like good idea good idea yeah so she calls the girls so she calls uh one of one of the italian girls i think laura is out of town Mm -hmm. and then she calls um so she calls the roommate who's out of town she doesn't know like they don't know what's going on with everybody oh so she calls one of them either gets a hold of her or doesn't but she's not in town and she's like well whatever i'll deal with it later so then she gets a hold of this one's got a funky name does she this is a weird yeah but does she flush the toilet I don't know. Or she left it because she might have left it in my head. That's evidence. Yeah. Okay. I don't. I never heard whether she flushed it or not. Okay. So she gets a hold of Laura. Laura's uh, like out of town. Then she calls Philomena, and Philomena's the one I think whose name is on everything. So Philomena's like, "Oh my god, we probably like there was probably a break in." So I'm gonna come. I'm with my boyfriend and with my friends. We're gonna go back to the apartment. Meet us there. Let's all be there and let's inventory everything. And like, so Philomena's like on it. She's older and she's yeah. a lawyer. Yeah. Or, you know, studying to be a lawyer. So then she's like, okay. So then Amanda calls Meredith and Meredith doesn't pick up. And Meredith has two phones. She has a British phone and she has an Italian phone. Okay. And the Italian phone, I think, is in Philomena's name. Hmm. Like Philomena, like, gave her a phone or helped. Anyway, she's got two phones. So Amanda's calling both phones. She can't get a hold of Meredith. And she's like, okay. Raphael, you'll come back with me. So then Raphael and Amanda get back. They get back before Philomena and her friends are there. Uh, and they're like, let's like really scrutinize the house now because now we think we've been robbed. So nothing's missing from Amanda's room. Meredith's room is locked, which is weird. Meredith only locked her door if she was like just out of the shower and changing or yeah. if she was like leaving town for several days. So Meredith's door is locked, which is weird. Laura's room is i think i might be confusing the two italian girls one of their rooms is completely untouched and the other one has a broken window glass all over the floor like on the inside like someone yeah. okay rummaged clothing so it looks like someone broke in through the wouldn't window. you like bust down meredith's door hold on okay yes they all right so so then they're like okay but the TV's here. The stereo's here. Yeah. This There's an expensive camera in the Blood. room that had this. Th- 
nothing's been stolen. Yeah. But there's a break in at the gla- what's okay. So then um then Philomena shows up and they're like, okay, so now they're like, okay, now they're all kind of together talking about this. And then uh and they're all concerned about the door. So then they're like, let's let's break this door down. She's like, Raphael, help me break. Oh, I think this is before Philomena gets there. It's just Amanda and Raphael. She's nervous about the door. She's like, Raphael, break down this door. Okay. So Raphael tries to break the door down. Uh-huh. And he just can't do it. Yeah. So then Philomena gets there and they're all figuring it out. And then the police show. Oh, and then they call the police. They're mm-hmm. like, hey, our, we, there's been a break in. Yeah. Been a break in. Right now they're not super confer- concerned about Meredith, but they kind of are. Yeah. Because they can't get a hold of her and her door's locked. But so the police show up and they're like, okay, great. You're here. The robbery, blah, blah, blah. And the police are like, mm, we don't know what you're talking about. Someone found a phone in a garden that kept ringing, and we traced it back to this house. It belongs to Philomena. Well, that was quick. It's Meredith's phone. That's super fast. So someone found Meredith, and then Amanda's like, well, because I kept calling it. Like, I don't Amanda- like this timeline. I don't think there's anything nefarious with the timeline. All right. It's just weird Italian police. Mm-hmm. So they're super concerned about this lost phone that they need. Like, this is a small town. They need to get this phone back to this person. Yeah. So they get to her apartment and they're like, what do you, what do you mean? What do you, well, we're, we don't have anything to do with this break in that you have to call investigators about that. Yeah. We're just street police. So then Philomena's like, I don't care what your job is. Break this door down. And they're like, we're not going to break the door down. That's not the kind of police we are. <laughs> and so then Philomena is like, let's do this. And she gets everyone together and they fucking break this door down. And the police are still there. I, what I, I read in one thing that the police helped break the door down and then another one that they didn't. Mm-hmm. But the police are there. The door gets broken down. The police go in first. So the police go in, but Philomena goes in too. And Philomena just starts freaking out. And all that Amanda, and again, Amanda doesn't really speak Italian She's like, I can speak Italian if we're in class and we're uh-huh. speaking slowly. Yeah. But if someone's wigging out and screaming in yeah. Italian, I have no idea what they're saying. So she's trying to have Raphael translate for her, but he's also not a great English speaker. And Philomena just keeps saying foot, foot. So ultimately what you, you end up discovering is that inside the room, Meredith is on the floor. She's covered by a blanket and her foot is sticking out. And that was what Philomena saw when she went oh. in and started freaking out. That she so she's on the floor. She's on the floor. And someone put a blanket over and someone her. Someone put a blanket over That's her. That's very like someone knew her. So then the police are like, everybody out. This is a crime scene. Get out. They kick- now I'm a police officer. Yes. They kick every. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. They kick everybody out of the apartment. And now they're all like outside. And I, what I. What I don't know is if they told them, like, don't go anywhere, we're going to talk to you guys, or if they're all just like, can't, don't go anywhere to go because that's their house. But so they're all like outside waiting for a long time. Investigators come and like talk to them and then leave them. So people are observing them this whole time. Mm. Philomena is freaking out appropriately in Italian. And Amanda doesn't know what's going on. And Amanda doesn't know what's going on. Right now, your story seems biased, but go, yeah. go ahead. Okay. I, I'm, this is my opinion of it. Okay, perfect. So. <laughs> And Amanda is not responding in a way that the Italians feel is appropriate. Mm. And and I will here now I'll flip to the other side. There's video of Amanda, and she's fuck she's canoodling with Raphael. Mm-hmm. They're like kissing. She's doing cartwheels. What? She's behaving strangely. She at this point she should know that she, Meredith is dead. I think at that point I think I the timeline's a little fuzzy. Uh-huh. The police also like kick them out like. 
Philomena knows that there's a like I think I mean I think Amanda or knows did they that- see them canoodling and doing that before like the police like before they knocked down the door you know like if they're waiting no, this is or- after the like it's oh, okay. after they've all been kicked all down right. they're waiting outside right. it it's not a good look yeah and this is one of those things where you go everyone reacts to information differently is she mm-hmm. someone who just kind of like shuts down and is weird about like it's why are you doing cartwheels mm-hmm. it is very strange yeah um and then when you talk to her she's like i'm i was 20 and i had no idea what was going on and the one person i have for comfort is my new weird week-long boyfriend mm-hmm. and that's who, like i don't know why i was being the way i was or being. maybe you know he was kind of initiating like let's let's get like she's wigging out so let's like get your mind off yeah. of this and let's let yeah but so in the eyes of the investigators she's behaving strangely and objectively looking at it like yeah she's behaving strangely yeah her side of it is i didn't know what was going on and i'm also a young kid trying to deal with something that's very big Mm -hmm. so then investigators like they're talking to all of them okay where have you been then they go all right come back to the station with us and uh, we're gonna interview you again so there's a bunch of interviews that take place that she doesn't really understand are them looking at her as a suspect because mm-hmm, it's in Italian. It's and, in Italian. Yeah. She and like and they keep saying like you don't need a lawyer. This is like we're just trying to figure this stuff out. If you guys are ever in a situation where police are involved, get, get a lawyer. Yeah, just get a lawyer. Don't talk to anyone until you have a lawyer. Don't do they're, it. They're, they're there for your protection. Yeah. So she's in, so she's interviewed for a super long time and then. Uh, then they kind of get in there, like the investigators are like, it's Amanda. Then she's interviewed for a really long time where according to Amanda, no water, no food, not allowed to sleep, that there was female police officers that came in. They kept slapping her in the face what and the telling hell? her like, you need to admit this, blah, blah, blah. And then you ask the, and then the Italians are like, no, we offered her all these things. Nobody slapped her. You know, who, who, do we who, have footage? Who, 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 no, <laughs> either way, we don't have footage. Yeah. So after a very long interview, Amanda says, like, she starts getting into this where she's like, I, because then they're asking questions and then she's going, maybe, may, and again, she doesn't really speak the language. She has a translator. Uh-huh. So you can't really say that, but also like things get lost in translation. Uh-huh. So in this interview, she says that she was in the apartment and that her boss from the cafe killed Meredith. What? So investigators are like, all right. So then uh, Raphael gets looped into this because he was also there in this story that she yeah. tells them. And then they go and they pick up the boss from the cafe or from the bar. Is she just trying she to worked. say something to get relief from yeah. the... Her story eventually is, I never knew when I was getting... I was there forever. Yeah. And I didn't know. And, like, and I'm exhausted. Mm-hmm. And they're asking me, they're like telling me, is it possible that this happened mm-hmm. is it po- and she's like i don't i, I can't say not leading the witness yeah i mean essentially she's saying like they kept saying like do you know a hundred percent that no and she was like well i can't know like so like there's they're they're getting lost in nuance mm-hmm. and language yeah so they go and they pick up the boss from the bar they bring him in and they're like amanda said you killed this girl and he's like what what <laughs> uh no and i was at the bar like here's my thousands of witnesses and yeah so he gets released pretty quickly and they're like okay he didn't do it but amanda did based on her weird wishy-washy interviewee confession so now they're like it's amanda and Raphael. they killed her what's the motive um satanic sex ritual 
what evidence like points to that? So Meredith was stabbed in the so she was sexually assaulted. Okay. And and there's evident like mm-hmm. DNA evidence. And, and they, which, did they test it? Yep, and it doesn't match either Raphael or yeah, Amanda. Perfect. Okay. And she's been stabbed in the throat. There's bloody footprints in her room. That match Amanda's all or her. The, all of the physical evidence uh-huh. that they collect, which there's debate about how shoddily that was collected. Uh-huh. Um, none of it ties to Amanda or Raphael. Okay. Then they get this trace evidence of uh, Amanda's DNA on the metal bra clasp of Meredith. I mean, they live together. Yeah, and, and well, and then what? Like what? Then like the on the defense's side, what they'll say is, you couldn't get your DNA on the bra clasp and not the strap of the bra. Like uh, if you're taking that off, your uh-huh. DNA. They they say that the amount that was there was cross contamination in the lab. Oh. And then so then and they're like you lit like literally in no other part of that room is any of Amanda. So they go. Not only do you not have the evidence. Mm-hmm. But you'd also then have evidence of her having cleaned it up. You'd have bleach in places. You'd have like... Yeah. So she magically cleaned up just her evidence, just Raphael's evidence, and not this other random unknown person. Yeah. So now all of that's kind of coming to light. So then uh, it bubbles up that they start kind of putting together Rudy Gaudet. So Rudy, mm-hmm. who knew Meredith, like was friends with her boyfriend, mm-hmm. um, knew them, had expressed interest in Meredith, had asked somebody about her... Um, and was a known burglar. He would break into houses. Oh. So they've got this known... So then they're like, okay, where's Rudy? Rudy's run away. Rudy ran away to Germany. Oh. So then they... When did he do that? When, after the... Oh, when... After the death. Oh, interesting. Okay. So then... Not suspicious. So then they're like, where's Rudy? All right, he's in Germany. Hey, Germany, will you send him over? And they're like, cool, got it. So then they send Rudy back. Okay, Germany. So now Rudy's there, and they, like, fast track it. They're like... Oh, cool. Rudy's DNA matches. Rudy's Rudy's the okay, his like his DNA is there. Yeah. Like and he, from the scene. Yeah. Okay. So now they're like, okay, Rudy obviously killed her. Uh-huh. Um, and they fast track his murder trial and he gets sentenced pretty quickly and like it's all kind of wrapped up in a neat little bow. Okay. At, and like and his story keeps changing because like he'll be like because they were like uh, surveilling him for a little bit mm-hmm. and he'd be in these online chats and he would talk about how he had killed her but that it was just him and then later online chats yeah what is wrong with then, you then later they're taught and then they're like well amanda said that the bot and he's like oh well yeah amanda and Raphael were there so what then, kind of chat are you in so, chat roulette just like no, talking to people about I, this i don't know this is weird okay so then rudy's story is like oh they were a part of it too he just loops them in so that's why they're not immediately released is that rudy who obviously killed her uh. is saying they were a part of it and that's where this guy's like, oh, you guys were all doing satanic sexual, like, sex stuff? Jesus. Okay. And then he, like, gets back on. Because he's already run down this path with other people mm-hmm. to no avail. And mm-hmm. I was like, but these guys, these oh, guys geez. are all, this is, I know that they have a part in it. Um, and this, like, weird false confession is really going to come, like, to haunt her. So, and, like, the whole time she's like, I didn't murder, like, they'll figure out that this is a mistake. They'll figure out I'm in another country. This will Does she all, have an American like attorney? Like someone flies over she to help her? She has Italian. No, I think her, because you want to be able to speak Italian in the Italian court. Yeah, so I true. think she has Italian lawyers. Um, 
And it kind of sounded like they were on her side. They were, like, talking about the evidence and how it didn't match up. Yeah, but she definitely had a defense. Um, And then, but but the trial system, all of it's slightly different. Mm. So she and Raphael are found guilty. (gasps) So not only is she in jail while she's waiting for the trial, but then, like, they're found guilty. So she spends four years in Italian prison. What? Under a guilty sentence? Under a guilty sentence. And then... Then it, like, goes to an appeal, blah, blah, blah. And then they go, all right, you didn't do it. So then she's not found innocent because they're they're just saying, basically, they approve the appeal. Mm-hmm. We so, don't have enough evidence. Yeah, to so now you. she's free. So she's like, back to America. Yeah. So she goes back to Seattle. Four years. Four years. Then the, Ita- the Italians are like, no, 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 no. She got away with murder. We're charging her again. Bring her back. They don't have double jeopardy? She wasn't found innocent. Oh, oh, oh. She was, she wasn't acquitted. All like right. the, the appeal went through. The way that you're telling the story, I'm furious. <laughs> I'm furious for her, the injustice of it all. So I'm going to have to like do you, my I, research. I highly recommend you do because there's a plenty of people who are like, she got away with murder. Yeah. So she gets back to the United States. Then they're like, no, she needs to come back for a trial. And she's like, I'm not going back to Italy to go back into jail. Yeah. And then it goes through another appeal. Like, so found guilty not get like it goes back and forth in a couple like weird Did the u.s details i don't know she once she came home she never went back but she was uneasy because she didn't know if she was going to get extradited gotcha back. okay it finally went to as high as it can go and she has been found innocent not guilty won't be charged whatever that all however Italy. it ended she will not ever be brought up on those charges again Ugh. How long but it did took that last? Y- like years. 10 years. Years. Yeah. She's 32 now. She probably didn't know she was safe until her mid to late 20s. I don't know. Not knowing anything else besides what you've told me, it just doesn't seem plausible that within two weeks, a month of moving to Italy to go to this program, that you it just are now into make sense. ritual. It satanic. literally makes no like. I always think back to Judge Judy. You know, don't uh, if it doesn't make sense, it's not true. Your uh, mother-in-law. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just, doesn't it make way more sense that this random dude who was into Meredith mm-hmm. breaks it like, and that was the other thing. They're like, the break-in was a fake. Okay, let's say the break-in is a fake. He would have knocked on the door. She would have recognized him. She would have answered the door. Like, they were also like, she knew the killer. She did know the killer. Mm-hmm. If she let him in and then he overpowered her, or like, whatever it was, that makes more sense. And then he runs away to Germany and, like... It just, why why would Amanda and her boyfriend have this weird murder her? It just doesn't make sense. Yeah. And there's no evidence. There's no physical evidence. There's no motive. There's no... Is there any other evidence in the apartment? Like, you have some blood in the bathroom, and then it all there's, happened there's in her room? About, there was something with a knife, like a kitchen knife. Was the murder weapon ever found? I can't remember if the kitchen knife is... The murder weapon? Yeah, because yeah. it like went back and forth about, did it have Amanda's DNA on it? Did it not? It's a kitchen knife. Why wouldn't it have all the roommate's DNA on yeah. it? Um, yeah. That's crazy. But I, I like, this is such a good story. There's a reason why it's been made into a couple movies. Yeah. Why there's multiple documentaries. Why, you know, there... It's a fascinating story that if there's people who've been screaming the whole time I've been talking, where they're like, Jack, you you got this so wrong. Uh-huh. I we love hearing from you guys. Reach out, tell me why she's guilty. I would I would love to hear the side yeah. that she's guilty. I'm really I just don't think so. I am more because I've always heard her name. I think it's one of those things where I'm like, ah, oh, it's so big, and I just don't look into there was, it. For there some was reason. a huge smear campaign when she was on trial. I mean, it was 
huge news in Italy. Like you've got this major paparazzi going on and now they're like trying like and they're trying to figure out who she is. So mm-hmm. they're like going through like Facebook and like she played soccer all growing up and like her soccer nickname was Foxy Noxy. Mm. And so they're like Foxy Noxy with mm. her sexual escape. Oh, that's my tie. Yeah. Sex oh. on the beach. <laughs> <laughs> that it was this like yeah. sexual killing. Interesting. That I just don't, I just don't believe it. No, I'm, I'm interested to do like watch some documentaries, read some more articles, and yeah. then come back to you and see like if I align I, up with I you. I know or... that you get weird watching murder docs by yourself. Mm-hmm. So I would say start with the like dramatized Hollywood movie. Okay, because yep. I think that's more palatable. And then if you're like into that story, then you then I think the documentary would be less scary. Yeah. Okay. Deal. That's a great story. I I love this was great. A tale you wove for me. <laughs> um awesome great tie by the way uh we're gonna take a quick break and we'll be back all right hey guys welcome to the intermission yeah 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 (laughs) um we wanted to give all of our thanks and appreciation right up top uh jackie i think you have a a review you wanted to read to our listeners oh yeah you're really gonna love this one drea where's this review coming from this one came from itunes it's a five starer and we got some letters we got some numbers here we go Uh, okay title great show Uh uh-huh who doesn't love true crime tales this yeah. show is like hanging out with your best friends talking about murder. Oh. The show is lighthearted but still respectful of the victims involved. I love that Jackie interrupts with exactly what the rest of us are thinking. <sighs> okay. All right. Now I know why you read it. Keep up the great show. It's the <laughs> only way I'm surviving quarantine. Oh, that's cute. But see, you're ridiculous. <laughs> there, it's it serves a purpose. I interrupt because you're not addressing something that needs to be addressed. No, no, not always. And there's people. No. There's people sitting. At, there's well. Okay, let me tell you something from the life of an interrupter. Yeah, you're afraid that that the conversation will move on, and your either your store like that that a moment is leaving. Yeah, and that the train won't come back. That's the fear of an interrupter, and so. As as a listener of a podcast, you're like, oh, I got this question. It's burned. They're not getting to it. And then in comes Jackie, saving the day, asking the question that was you, on your mind. You think you think you 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 have the questions that dialed in that you're you're answering all their questions. No, sometimes I interrupt <sighs> with things that have nothing to do with it, and it is a derailment of the conversation. Perfect. <laughs> I'll, I'm gonna give you both. <laughs> no, that was super sweet. Uh, thank you guys for that review. That was awesome. Um, also, we wanted to give a shout out to all those listeners who um, have been doing recurring donations. So thank you, Nace. Thank you, Carrie. Thank you, Stacy. Um, and also, thank you, Elizabeth, for your first time donation, Elizabeth. We're looking Elizabeth. at you. Thank you. And also Dana, thank you so much. You guys, you guys really helped this month because this is the month where we had to renew like our domain name <laughs> and uh, our Bluehost like hosting website for the, the website and stuff. So Jackie's looking guys, at me. <laughs> you, you guys missed an off air fight. It wasn't even a fight. I just went off on a tangent about buying domain names and renting space online and that it's like buying stars and then i got off on a buying stars tangent and then Dre started looking up buying stars she threatened to buy me a star for my birthday and i got really mad oh i didn't say for your birthday i'm just gonna buy it you're never you're just gonna, gonna randomly uh-huh. buy it yeah don't 
Don't you dare buy me a star. You guys, it's $39 to buy a star. $59 Stop it. for a constellation. If you want me. If you convince people to, to buy me a star instead of. Instead, like, there, there's things that this podcast costs money. If someone buys a star. If we all donate a dollar, we can ruin Jackie's life for five minutes. That is such <laughs> bullshit. And it's don't, a, oh, don't play this game. It's a don't present. Don't play this game with these star it, people. It's a present. You can't throw it away. You have to put it up on your wall. <sighs> and then oh, every don't year. Don't do this to yes, me. Every year. Don't do this to me. On our star anniversary, we'll go out to the observatory and then we'll go look at your star. I hate it. <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> I'm trying to think of something equivalent that I would be just as mad at. I'm gonna I'm, ma- like the star thing is pretty up there for me. I'm gonna make T-shirts, and it's gonna be like with the constellation. I'm gonna name it your name. <sighs> this is crazy. Do you want a, a star that's like farther away or like closer? Don't get me a star. No one owns a star to sell it to you. Uh-huh. You are giving a charlatan forty dollars. <laughs> To print up something you could make on your own computer. What if I... If you if you go into Microsoft Word and make me a document that says I own a star, I would be thrilled and I'd put it up in my house. If you pay someone money for a star, I'm going to lose it. What if What if I get like a secondhand star? Like... No. We already talked about this. These people... No. Because then someone still made money. No. <laughs> no one can sell stars. Jackie, I can see it in your eyes. You want this? No, that's just my natural twinkle. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, this has gotten derailed. Okay, so we'll we'll put, to bring put, it back. If you want to <laughs> donate to the podcast, you could go to killercocktailspodcast.com and go to our donation station. Um, if you also want to buy Jackie a star with me, you can Stop also it. go to killercocktailspodcast.com and go to the donation station. And just put a little note for Jackie Star. We just need forty dollars. Stop it. <laughs> and <laughs> and then we'll have a star anniversary. I'm really excited. Oh my god. Woo! And we could all go together. We'll do like a live stream and everyone who donated for the star can come. <sighs> <You're so bad>. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um also, you guys, um, this is Sex on the Beach, um, and we had a lot of listeners uh, do the tutorial video for us this uh, week, and uh, Kimry spliced it all together. If you haven't seen it, it's it's really awesome. Um, <laughs> I've gotten emotional a couple times about this. Um, I don't know. Just go watch it. It's really cool. I, I just, I never thought we'd have such great listeners, and... I'm gonna start it, tearing up again, and so it's all—it's very fun. Um, but big shout out to Lori, Richard, Foon, Janine, Nina, Larissa, and Julia. Um, you guys—you made the tutorial video this week. You guys nailed it. <laughs> you guys are awesome. Much love. <laughs> Sweet. Um, and then also, um, thanks. Like a big shout out to New Basin. Um, they've been a big supporter since like the beginning yeah Yeah. like they were our first live show um they're doing really cool things right now during quarantine um they've kind of pivoted their their business model from making alcohol to making sanitizer 
Yeah. Yeah. Changing up, like, moving to sugar, which goes a lot faster because it takes a week when you're doing it with grain. Like, Mm -hmm. they're doing really cool stuff and, like, being really creative about, like, not being able to find containers to put, like, having the sanitizer and don't have containers. Mm -hmm. And he reached out to this guy who's on this website and he's like, you have a you have a honey division, right? And the guy's like, yeah. And he's like, give me those bears. And so they have sanitizer in those little honey bears. And then, like, there's a dude who's right close to their distillery who does printing. So they got, like, special little custom labels that fit on the bear's belly. Like, yeah. all of it is, like, homegrown, awesome for the community. Like, it's just really cool. It was, it, It's cool. Yeah, yeah. No, it, the pictures of the little bears are so cute. I was like, I just want one because... The bear is so cute. Um, but no, they're like, um, I know they have a lot of uh, big orders for like the local community and out in Portland and they're helping like a lot of businesses such as like truckers stay in business because they're uh-huh. able to get sanitation supplies. Well, because it's a, it's a huge part of CDC guidelines. Like if you're going to be an essential worker and you're going to be open, these are the things you have to do and you yeah. have to have sanitizer available to do that stuff. Do you remember he told us... Um, he was saying that they had to get rid of 500 gallons of whiskey because they yeah. they had a tur- did they turn it into sanitizer or they yes yeah I think I believe that is I true. was so yeah. sad yeah <laughs> um, but it was a good it was it was for the greater good um, I think that kind of wraps up our intermission guys we had a lot to say but go ahead you're gonna interrupt so oh I was just gonna say. <laughs> This is a long this is a long episode. We got a little long intermission, long story, long story. Buckle up. <laughs> long. <laughs> um yeah, if you guys have made it through this entire intermission, you are our true fans. Thank you so much. <laughs> um oh, yeah, and enjoy the rest of the episode. Fun. Bye. Bye. Hey guys, we're back from our break. Briggity briggity break. Yeah, it was good. It was short. Maybe it was short. We'll see. (laughs) I don't know. We never know. The mystery of the (laughs) mid-roll. Will it be there? Will it not be there? Will it be about things that are no longer time accurate? (laughs) They're all over the map. Talking about live shows that obviously aren't happening. (laughs) Uh, We're in the future and the past all at once. Um, Okay, Jackie, Mm -hmm. are you ready for a story? Yes, I am. Perfect. This one is kind of long, so hunker in. Um, I'm going to tell you about uh, Deidre Michelle Hunt in Constantinos, also known as Costa. Uh, His last name is Photopolis, so that's quite a name. Good job. (laughs) Thanks. Um, uh, A lot of my information came from A Plot Hatched in Hell by Mark uh, Gribben.com, and the Oxygen channel did an episode on both of these characters. Um, It's on episode eight, so go check out that uh, little murder doc. At first, when you were... I didn't really get that you were citing sources, and I thought oh, yeah. your f- uh, like your flash for telling the story was it was a plot hatched in hell, and I was like, <laughs> oh my goodness, this is way more. Uh, uh, no, I don't get normal. that. Fru fru. Um, okay, so now I'm going to start my story. Okay, so uh, so I'm going to start off by telling you about Costa, and he's 30 years old, and he's married to this woman named Lisa, and they've been married for about four years. Um, and in the beginning, it was like you know, love at first sight and Mm -hmm. their families kind of brought them together and everything seemed 
to be going awesome. They actually own several lucrative businesses. And Costa's like, he once bought $100,000 worth of counterfeit $100 bills in 1987. And he just starts distributing them through like the southeast part of the United States. And so the United States Secret Service starts to catch on and he becomes a person of interest. And he knows it's just a matter of time before they like come to arrest him. And so he has the Secret Service looking into him. And around the same time, he has this 19-year-old ex-employee named Kevin Ramsey, who used to work at his pool hall called Top Shots. And Kevin starts dropping hints uh, to Costa being like, hey, man, like I know all about your counter like counterfeiting operation Mm. if you want me to keep it a secret mm, you know maybe grease the the wheels there you know give me some money and on top of all this his marriage is also falling apart so things are going really well for him um and to give you an insight into their financial situation lisa had inherited like a small fortune when her father died and um they were actually in the process of creating a boardwalk business called joyland amusement center in daytona in Daytona Beach. Oh. We're, do- <laughs> we're, we're doing the sex on the beach cocktail. Yeah. They're in Daytona Beach. Yeah, so, that's a that's beach. my tie. <laughs> yeah, it is a beach. Um, so Lisa has all this money and Costa um, is actually getting them more into debt. And he actually has like $20,000 worth of debt. And he's relying heavily on Lisa to avoid bankruptcy. Um, but they're not getting along. And during all of this, Costa starts having an affair with a 20-year-old named uh, Deidre Hunt. And she is a bartender at Top Shots. And um, they're, like, really open about this affair. They're, like, making out at the bar. Like, people know about it. Uh, But not Lisa yet. Um, But then Lisa finds out. And she's like, you have to end the the affair. And you have to fire Deidre. And she ends up finding out that... um, Costa had actually rented an apartment for Deidre and like was like paying for it for her. And so she's like, you know what? I'm, I've had enough. I want to, I want a divorce. And then, uh, so every day she starts reminding Costa that he isn't going to get any money from the divorce. Yeah. He's going to be left like broke. And Costa's like, well, I can't let that happen. Ooh. Um, and so now I'm going to tell you more about Deidre. So Deidre grows up in New Hampshire, and her mother is diagnosed with several mental illness, illnesses, including dissociative uh, identity disorder. Oh, that's, um, that's got to be hard growing up with your mom going through that. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Um, and Deidre was uh, sexually abused, and eventually she dropped out of um, high school. And um, actually, she was part of an armed robbery. And she served a six-month sentence because of it. Um, But when she gets out, she's like, I want a new life, new me. So she heads out to Daytona uh, Daytona Beach. And she starts looking for work. But she doesn't doesn't know anybody out there. And so she's, like, living on the streets for a while. And then she wanders into Top Shots. And uh, she sees that they're hiring. And so she gets a job. And that's how she meets Costa. And they start like secretly seeing each other, but Costa is not a very nice person. And it would later be determined that Costa would like inflict uh, ritualistic tortures like on her. And he'd like use razor blades and he'd like suck her blood and he'd like throw knives at her and burn her with cigarettes and it like threaten her with guns. He would just like, yeah, just terrorize her. And she would kind of became like compliant. And he, he wasn't that way with his wife. No, not that I researched. Yeah. Um, so Costa needs to deal um, with that Kevin guy from earlier who's um, trying to uh, blackmail That's him. Right. 
And so um, on October 1989, Costa, Deidre, and Kevin drive out to a remote shooting range with a promise that they are going to induct Kevin into an ultra-secret hunter-killer club. What? Uh-huh. Yeah. And you're like, what the heck is that? Yeah. So over several months, Costa convinces Kevin that he um, is a contract assassin and that he works for the mob and for the CIA, and he had killed uh, eight people already, and that by joining the Hunter Killer Club, Kevin would also become a hitman. Wow. Uh-huh. Wow. Um, what a, isn't that crazy? What a funny lie. <laughs> Weird. Uh, and so while Costa and Deidre are, like, unloading the truck, they get out, like, a twenty two rifle and an AK-47, and they're like, hey, Kevin, just go scout out ahead to make sure no one's around. Like, we want to, like, fire these guns. And so Have you seen the Kevin movie goes, The Jackal? With, is that with where Bruce Willis that and Jack guy? Black, and he's got oh what? And he's got Jack Black running around in a field while he's testing a gun. No, did not end well. Not for Jack Black. <laughs> <laughs> not for Jack Black. What a weird combo to be in a movie together. It was one of those things where Jack Black just shows up and he's kind of being like a kind of weird person in a movie because he's oh. good at acting like a weird person. <laughs> yeah. He was well cast. Naturally. Yeah. <laughs> Um, okay, so they're like, Kevin, go scout out an area. And so Costa then turns to Deidre, and he tells her that if she wants to make it through the night, she would have to kill Kevin. And so they catch up, catch up with Kevin, and Costa explains that in order to join the club, they would have to each commit a murder, and it would have to be videotaped. And the tapes would be exchanged among the members as insurance to prevent anyone from going to the police in the future. Um, so they get to this remote clearing, and Costa tells Deidre to tie Kevin to a tree. And Costa tells Kevin that it's all just part of the ritual. And then Costa starts videotaping. And it's a 57-second long tape. And it starts with a single flashlight shining on Deidre's face. And she's standing a few yards away from the tree where Kevin stands facing her. And his arms are wrapped behind him. And he's tied to the tree. And then you hear Costa's voice off camera. And he says, okay. And then Kevin says, don't shine it in my eyes. Uh, referring to the flashlight. Yeah. Um, and then you can see both Deidre and Kevin in the light of the flashlight. And Deidre then points a twenty-two caliber gun at Kevin. And with a quick pause, she then shoots Kevin in the chest three times. Oh. Mm-hmm. Um, Kevin then lifts one of his legs and he groans. And then he slumps forward um, and he's still tied to the tree. Yeah. Deidre then walks up to Kevin and grabs him by the hair and fires a four shot into his temple. Um, and then the recording stops. Um, Costa then picks up his AK-47 and fires a single shot into Kevin's head. And they then leave Kevin and they drive back to Daytona Beach. So that's all done. And so now Costa's like, perfect. My potential blackmailer is like out of the picture. Now, now, now I've I'll, got Deidre on camera killing him. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So I got her in my pocket. So now all, all I have to do is get rid of my wife. That way she doesn't take all my money. And so he's like, we need to kill my wife. And so he and Deidre introduce, uh, uh, and so he has Deidre introduce him to a 20 year old named Mike Cox and Costa offers him $10,000 to kill his wife. Uh, but Mike ends up not agreeing. So Deidre then introduces him to another uh, potential hitman, and his name is TJ. And um, he would actually meet a couple different hitmen and on five separate occasions, people would try to kill Lisa over several weeks. 
This is crazy. Uh-huh. And one time, this guy named TJ was supposed to kill Lisa at a Halloween party, but it was too crowded, so he backed out. And then TJ was supposed to kill her at the amusement park. Like, he, like, went to her office, knocked at the door, was like, hey, is Costa here? And she was like, no. And he, like, tried to bum rush her into the room, and he was supposed to, like, shoot her, but he she, like, bobbed and weaved and got away. Whoa. Yeah. And so then Costa's like, okay, never mind, TJ. You just take a seat. You're not... You're not cut out for this. Uh, I'll, I'll hire someone else. And so he meets 18-year-old Brian Chase. And he's like, listen, I'll pay you $5,000 to kill my wife. And Brian's like, cool. Yeah. I'm about it. If I go younger, and, I can offer them less money. Yes. Um, and so Brian is supposed to, like, stage a car accident and, like, hit Lisa and, like, total the car and, like, kill her. But Brian's car wouldn't start. <laughs> and so he, like never made it to the destination and another time brian is supposed to break into lisa and costa's home but he gets spooked by neighbors and he like doesn't break in this is what happens when you have like just normal people trying to be uh-huh. children like, trying to be like <laughs> hired hitmen yeah yeah i guess yeah yeah um okay so finally on november 4th of 1989 brian cuts through the screen in a window on the first floor of lisa and costa's house and brian makes his way into their bedroom with a 22 caliber uh, automatic and he points the automatic at lisa and he shoots her in the head um brian then pulls the trigger again but the gun jams and as brian is like messing with the gun costa pulls out a nine millimeter and he shoots brian to death that way he would have no loose ends i was a little because he keeps asking people to kill his wife, and then they don't. And so that seems like mm-hmm. a lot of loose ends. Uh-huh. Oof. That's cold-blooded. Hire yeah. that guy and then be like, oh, this guy was killing my wife. Like, he was attacking us. And then... Mm-hmm. He, yeah, it was a home invasion. Yeah. I was, I was protecting my house and my wife. So Costa calls 911, and he tells them the whole story. And, um, and like, at the time, so Lisa's brother and her mom were at the house. And so... Costa had, like, gone downstairs, unlocked the door, and, like, had, like, him come in and, like, this whole scenario. He actually, mm-hmm. like, broke a window to make it look like he crawled through this, like, window space, but it's way too small for any human to get through, uh, which will come back later. Yeah, and, that, like, seems, are, like, that seems like a problem. Yeah. Um, so the police determined that Lisa was, in fact, shot by an intruder and that Costa had shot and killed Brian in self-defense. However, what Costa didn't plan for was that Lisa didn't die. Oh, Uh Uh-huh. The bullet had actually entered Lisa's forehead and skidded from one side of her skull to the other and landed right above her left eye, which left her with minor brain damage. Um, So when Lisa wakes up, the police go to chat with her and she tells them what she remembers. And she tells them that the evening um, that everything happened, everything was pretty normal. But she did remember Costa going out to the backyard and bearing a large like black bag at night. Uh, But she was like, I didn't think anything of it because he's like a conspiracy nut. He's always burying stuff in the yard. (laughs) (laughs) And then uh, she went to bed. And next thing she knew, she had like an unbelievable pain in her head. And that's when she got shot. That is crazy that you can get shot in the head and live. I mean, that happens all the time, Uh but it's crazy. Yeah. And it's nuts the way that you describe it. It's like, then my head hurt. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. It's wild. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Lisa then tells them how a week before a young man had tried to rob her at the Joyland Amusement uh, Center, like I was telling you. Um, and she was like, told him how she'd escaped and stuff. And then police are like, well, that's weird. Um, that that happened like right before this break in. Um, and then also it was weird because when Brian broke in, he like went past all the valuables, like there was a stereo system and a TV mm-hmm. and he just went right to the bedroom and like Lisa 
wasn't closest to the door, Costa was. And the police were like, well, if it's an intruder, you know, they're going to take out the mail first, yeah. most likely. Um, but no, Brian had like went around the bed and shot Lisa first. Hmm. And so they're like, that's super weird. And also the window that um, Brian came in through, like wasn't connected to the alarm system. It was like the only window that wasn't. And so while the police are putting this all together, Costa is trying to figure out another way to kill Lisa while she's in the hospital. He's like, it didn't work. Uh So he and Deidre start uh, putting together a plan to deliver a bomb and a bouquet of flowers to the hospital. Oh, my God. Uh Oh, my God. I know. I know. And so the story hits the news and um, Mike Cox from earlier, you might remember him as the gentleman who refused to kill Lisa. Mm-hmm. Um, he sees that uh, Costa had shot Brian who, and like Brian was his friend and he's like, oh, I know what, I yeah. know what happened. Like I was supposed to kill Lisa. And so he goes to the police and he's like, no, 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 no. This is what actually happened. And so the police bring in Deidre, and over the course of two hours, she tells police everything as well, and um, she actually takes them out to Kevin's remains, and they actually hadn't had any leads on that case, and they knew he was, like, missing, and so she was like, yeah, here's his body, and, like, this is what we did, and there's a videotape somewhere to prove it, and so police... um, go to Costa's house and they go to uh, the yard and they dig up a couple black bags. And one of them has the AK 47 and the 22 that was used to kill Kevin. And then they also mm. find the videotape from the murder. Yeah. And so police then arrest Costa and Deidre and they charge them with two counts of first degree murder and numerous conspiracy charges. And uh, Deidre at this point pleads not guilty, but once she hears that they have the videotape, she pleads guilty to capital murder charges to try to avoid the um, death penalty. Mm-hmm. Um, but the prosecutor's like, whoa, 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 whoa. We're not saying that we're going to waive like our intent to seek the death penalty. Like we, I don't care that she's pleading guilty. We're still going to go for it. And um, even though Deidre took the stand and took ownership for all of her actions and, and explained that she had to kill Kevin in order to save her own life, the judge sends her to death twice. Ooh, um, I don't know about that. Uh-huh. And since she had nothing left to lose, she then was like, well, I'll testify against Costa. And um, he was also sentenced to death in his um, court trial. Um, but there's another twist. So apparently Deidre's lawyer wasn't on the up and up. And so her attorney, Peter Niles, shows up at the prison and he tells the warden that he had uh, made arrangements with the prosecutor and the judge to chat with Deidre about her testimony against Costa and that he was allowed to videotape their conversation. And Peter said that he would uh, bring a law clerk and a cameraman to assist with the videotaping. Um, However, when Peter and his crew sit down with Deidre, he tells Deidre that they aren't working on her case and that they are actually filming for a tabloid TV show called A Current Affair. And Peter tells Deidre that he's not being compensated for bringing the crew into the prison and that she would not be paid for the interview as well. But actually, Peter had been promised $5,000 from the show's producers if he set up the interview. And so the deal had been in the works for like six months, meaning that Peter was negotiating with a current affair at the same time he was representing Deidre before the state, which is a big conflict of interest. Yikes. Um, and so the slime ball. For $5,000. Gee whiz. Yeah. Um, the episode aired under the deadline, uh, headline, Deadly Deidre. And when it was pieced together, what had happened, the judge had no choice but to allow Deidre to uh, rescind her guilty pleas. And she got a retrial in 1996. And she was convicted of two counts of first degree murder and sentenced to life in prison instead of death. 
Uh, but she was on death row for eight years before that. Yeah. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. And currently, Deidre runs a website seeking pen pals and coast, uh, and like while in prison. And Costa remains on death row, um, which he continues to try to appeal. Huh. Yeah. And that's the story. What uh, What state was this in? That is oh, Florida. In Daytona Beach. Yeah. Florida, Florida. Florida man. Yeah. Crazy. Isn't that crazy? That's crazy. Yeah. Apparently, yeah, he was super manipulative and like was super into guns and would tell everyone he was like, you know, a big shot like Hitman or yeah. like he, yeah. It was just crazy what lies he like really embellished and like kind of believed. It's just so weird that people lie about doing crimes like Mm -hmm. i just felt like from my sensibility of how like nervous i would be that someone would think that i did something bad like i'm I'm just from the opposite side of that spectrum where the idea of like lying to people about doing horrible things that you haven't done is so wild Uh (laughs) different different folks yeah (laughs) the murders are over do you need self-care yeah give me some jokes okay um Okay, I have one for you. All right. Kimri told me this the other day. Why? Oh, no. Uh, I'm just going to go for it. Okay. Why do cows have hooves? I don't know. Why? They don't have toes. What? They don't have... No. Why don't cows have... Or why do cows have hooves? Why? Uh, they lack toes. Oh. <laughs> Oh, Drea, they don't have toes. That was your punchline. They don't have toes. Well, they don't. It seems at this point, it almost seems intentional. No, that one was so close. I'm going to take that one. No, you can't take. No, you you 100% got it wrong oh my god i think you know maybe my brain just doesn't work i just don't i'm not as smart as you guys with your little pun jokes i just don't No puns my brain doesn't get there like they are one track and so if you're not yeah if you're not on that that has nothing to do with intelligence but if you're not no yeah if you're if your sense of humor if that's not one of your sensibilities it it, naturally those jokes will not like like if that's a track i'm on a boat somewhere like i just i'm not yeah anywhere near the track um <laughs> okay kimry just told me a joke Perfect. so there's this picture <laughs> in this museum oh no <laughs> her no! face i wish you could watch her when she's listening to you tell them because i can <gasps> see in her face when <laughs> when you mess up a word trying to make it your own and then she goes uh, nope the joke's gone now I can see it. I can see her crumble inside herself when a word changes. When a picture does a crime. I literally <laughs> just muted you. I know. So I could tell her this joke. It's you. You nailed it on the head, Kimmery. It's when she refuses to just say it how you said it. You tell her all the exact words for the joke, and she refuses to say uh, verbatim what you said. It has to come from her voice. And because she's refused, she now can't remember. Like yeah. she's not faking. No, she can't freaking remember I, what I said. She's I will so say, I was gonna of, be of copying someone or of of ripping somebody off. Like everything has to get flipped and changed. <laughs> but you ruin the joke by doing it that way. I 
that one I was going to be cute. I was going to be like, <laughs> oh, like I'm going to do a little backstory. And in the process, I completely forgot. Like, I think it has to do with a picture doing a crime. How did the picture get caught for a crime? I don't know. Right? It gets framed. Uh, okay. What was it? How does the picture end up in jail? Oh, how does a picture end up in jail? How? <laughs> it gets framed. <laughs> oh, my God, Drea. Uh, yeah. So good. <clears throat> Jackie, do you want to hear about um, a quarantine date I went on? Yes. Okay. So for all of you people out there in quarantine, I that feel are weird also pretending single. like I haven't heard this story. Yeah, I have heard this story. Do I want to hear it as you tell our listeners about it? Yeah. yeah. It felt yeah, really ingenuine to be like, yeah, tell me the story I've already heard. Well, okay. If it was me, I would have already forgotten the story and that would have been brand new. But, so. but not me. Still trap up here. Still, Still trap. For now. But I would like to hear it again while you share this information with others. Um, so I'm on a, a local app for dating people or for singles. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Single and ready to mingle. Area. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Anyways, I start chatting with a young man and uh, he's like, uh, I think I have a really cool like quarantine virtual date that we can do together. And I was like, perfect. Lay it on me. And he's like, well, I think I'm at an unfair advantage because I think I know you from your podcast. And I was like, oh, well, tell me more. Um, and so he's like, okay, I know you really like cocktails, obviously. Um, so how about you pick three cocktails that represent you? And you'll give me the recipes and I'll make them at my house and uh, vice versa for me. And then we'll like be on a Zoom call and we'll make them together and we'll guess like why the other person chose that cocktail. And then we'll learn more about each other. And it was like a really great idea. Like I had so much fun yeah. making the cocktails, drinking the cocktails, and then like learning about this person. So if you guys are like, I don't know, bored in quarantine, this is tried this idea it's super fun it, it sounded really cute it was a it's a fun way to get to know each other it it with the the one good thing about this the weird quarantine stuff is it removes the weird element of like danger of dating where you're like <laughs> i have to meet this stranger face to face you ha you have to give someone uh, like your location where you're going yeah your friends can oh, check up on you you <laughs> You're funny. You, when you had this, I don't know if it was this date or the second date with this guy, but you sent Kimri and I, you're like, I have my date tonight. Here's where I'll be. And you sent us <laughs> a pin of your house. <laughs> it was so funny. <laughs> because we were doing the virtual date. Again, yeah. And I was like, I'm going to be at my house. So you guys, if I get kidnapped, when you, when you first I'm at sent my house. Because you've, you've moved. When you first sent it, I was like, uh -huh. yeah, you can't break quarantine, go to this guy's house on your first day. And my, like, my immediate reaction was like, I have to give this girl a talking to. And then I went, yeah. oh, no, she's just being really funny. I'm just funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I just thought that was a really cool, like, Activity, I think you could do that with friends and family. Oh, and for sure. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, I think maybe we should all do it. Isn't that kind of what we do, though? Yeah, but this doesn't represent me. Oh, like picking one and ha like like a, yeah, like a bonding cause like, session. Yeah, because like I picked uh, like it's the Goblet of Fire because of my love for Harry Potter. Appropriate. And it actually like the whole goblet like lit on fire and it shattered like while we were on the video oh call. Oh my god! Um, but it was at his house, not mine, so it was fine. Um, <laughs> I I was safe yeah. and sound. Um, and then like one of his cocktails, he picked the bee's knees, and so I was guessing. I was like, okay, you 
you are allergic to bees or like blah, 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 blah. And then he was like, well, no, I think you're like missing like the obvious choice. He's like, I am the bee's knees. And I was like, oh, that's funny. (laughs) (laughs) It was like a little braggy, but it was cute. Yeah. No, the uh, uh, there is an appropriate level of braggadociousness that is funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. Like when we do it. Yeah. Like when we say we're ultra famous. <laughs> so famous. <laughs> uh, my mom listens, so mine too. But yeah, I think that kind of wraps up the episode. Well, fun. Yeah, Jackie, I had a great time with you. I had a great time with you. I miss you guys. Good. I miss you. Look at your face. Look at your face. You're looking, you're looking good, though. You know, quarantine agrees with me. It does. You're glowing. Well, I got out on the river multiple days. Oh, yeah, because you live right there. Yeah. Well, in the river, like, they, they've released uh, water out of the dam, so the river's cut. Like, now my boat Ooh. inlet, like, I can leave from my house now. I don't have to, like, take boats somewhere, so it's way easier. I was sending you, I sent you pictures. I kicked out. I floated up. I passed one other kayaker, and we, like, waved from across the river at each other, and then I sat on this little beach, and I didn't see a soul. I just watched nice. birds fly and I heard chirpy chirps. Yeah, you are living your best quarantine life. I'm over here doing 18 walks a day in a neighborhood. Mm. Yikes. I think we'll wrap up the show here. It's a long one for you guys, but. Oh, yeah. You know, long welcome. episode. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you guys stay safe. We love you. We appreciate you. And we'll see you next week, probably. Jackie. Do you know that we're the podcast where the drinks are stiff? And the bodies are stiffer? Yeah. Well. (laughs) (laughs) Nailed it. Nailed it. (laughs) Okay, guys. (laughs) We'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Killer Cocktails. As always, on our talent is Jackie Andrea. Be sure to check out our Instagram at Killer Cocktails Podcast. You can also head over to our website, KillerCocktailsPodcast.com, where you can find more information about each episode, cocktail recipes, podcast merch. There's even a nifty little donation station button if you're feeling generous. We're a self-funded podcast, and all your donations do really help. Our logo was created by Michelle Michael Art, whose amazing work can be found at MichelleMichaelArt.com. That's Michelle with one L. Our music was created by Nikolai Heidlust, and make sure you always tune in every Monday for hashtag Murder Monday. <laughs> Okay. Ridiculous. I don't know why it's so funny. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> hey guys, it's Drea. This is Jackie. P. I this- think we got too funky. No, that's a different drink. <laughs> See, this is what happens. No, but no, but I get confused. <laughs> Mixed oh. it up with the <laughs> Yeah, I was like, yeah, yeah. We didn't like any of the drinks. <laughs> All right. Okay.